Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, coming up, we're going to get to the best of the Jazz postgame show as the Utah Jazz pick up a win, beat the Portland Trailblazers, blow them out in the third quarter and win decisively. we got that coming up in the next segment. Uh, after that, of course, what is trending? Get you caught up in everything in sports, including the Masters. Got to give it to Bob Casper. He was uh, mostly spot on, one small mistake, but, you know, he told us that uh, – at the Masters, um, I, I said something at the start of the interview about, well, you know, why are the greens uh, all brown? Well, they're anticipating thunderstorms. That water will hit the greens, so they got them a little stressed, so they're showing a little brown. It's also making them real fast. He said the conditions for scoring are not good. He says, you know, two, three under is going to be a pretty good score. And sure enough, the best golfers are mostly parked at two and three under, and the one exception is a leader, Justin Rose, who got to seven under. Bob Taylor from Real Golf Radio. Bob's tag team partner will join us coming up uh, later in the show and we'll talk to them about that and see how the second round gets going but rose at seven under real impressive really not the kind of start that suggested he was going to do it he was two over after seven holes and then he just went on a birdie tear mixed in an eagle actually started it with an eagle and then put together a bunch of birdies and uh, got to seven under and everybody else is back at two and three under he's got a four stroke lead so it's early though we'll see if that holds up but heck of a way to start the tournament so that's on the way I want to spend a few minutes now talking football at the university of utah they've got a scrimmage coming up saturday and then they've got the spring game a week from saturday and you know there's a lot of jobs to be sorted out obviously quarterback and obviously running back where you know they got guys transferring into the program at both those positions and they got to get that all sorted out sounds like quarterback pretty much is maybe not further down the depth chart but up at the top it is uh and running back and you know they need a receiver to emerge over on the defensive side of the ball It seems like things are in pretty good shape. Now, you know, there may be some changes to the depth chart and things may work their way out. They've got some guys who aren't going to be here until the summer and we'll have to see how that plays out. And uh, Colton Swan, the linebacker coach, will get into that in just a minute. Um, But as PK and I talked about it, uh, you know, the thing that really stands out here is, one, the youths come with a rep. You figure they're going to work it out defensively and get it figured out. Although we didn't see a full season of guys, we saw them in some weird circumstances, we saw that these young guys were already a little, they're already better than average. Um, Not a lot better, not dominant, not great. Now, maybe they'll get there, but it's not what they were last year. Um, The number in college football, average points in a game, bounces around every year, but it's usually in the 28 to 30 range. And it's, that's been pretty consistent for a long time. That, that's kind of the ballpark. And so you look at what the Utes did last year. You know, they only played five games. It's not a huge sample size. But in the five games they played, in four of them, they held their opponent under 30 points. The only one they didn't was the first one against USC, which was a weird circumstance because SC had played twice and the Utes had not played at all. They didn't have a non-conference shakedown. They didn't have anything like that. They just jump in and play a big game with USC. Winner gets the upper hand in the division race. <laughs> it's crazy. Such a weird season. Uh, and so the youths lose a the game. They give up 33 points. Now, after that, they don't give up 30 again. So that's a good sign right there. They had some halves that weren't good. They, um, you know, had a good first half at Washington, but blew a lead, had a bad second half, and lost the game. Now, even those numbers were a little misleading because they had a turnover and, you know, they 
short field or whatever. And, and then they had the uh, Colorado game where they didn't have a good first half, but they had a great second half, and they wiped out a 21-10 deficit and won the game. And then they had the last game against Washington State where it seemed like, honestly, they said we're not going to a bowl. They knew that before the game, and they kind of checked out. And they played a terrible first half and gave up 28 points, but shut them out in the second half and scored 38 points and won the game. <laughs> so it was weird all over, but when you look at, at, the, at the end of the season, they were holding everybody under 30 points, except SC – who'd played two games and they hadn't. And even then, the number was 33. So we expect the defense to be good. It looks like they've got the talent to be good. Now, these guys only have five games under the belt, but it does give us a little something. They should be better. They've played the games. They've watched film. They've gone over stuff. They'll get some reinforcements here. So expect the defense to be better. And they're already, you know, pretty good. Anywhere between, you know, average to a little better than average in some pretty tough circumstances. So now how will it be, you know? Now, it's hard to predict because, of course, you know, you got to figure out, well, how's this going to work for everybody else? Because they also have, depending on the school, four, five, six games under their belt. And so for some of these schools, especially ones we didn't see the youths play, um, you know, maybe not follow them as close. I tend to watch the Pac-12 South teams more than the Pac-12 North teams. Um you know, there's only so many hours on a Saturday, and I'm trying to watch BYU, Utah, and Utah State, and then keep an eye on the Pac-12 South. And in the case of uh, Utah State, a couple key teams in the Mountain West. Um, you know, watch some of the better teams there, usually, you know, Boise State and San Diego State. Um, but whoever else is having a big year. So it doesn't leave a lot of time to follow everybody. And I got to say, coming off this bizarro year, I'm a little shaky on even some of the Pac-12 South teams. Colorado was better than expected. But, man, they look pretty vulnerable against the Utes. You know, at home, they're up 21-10, they're rolling, and they fall apart and lose the game. So did they sneak up on people with a new coach? Are they really that good as they get everything, you know, as the rest of the conference gets everything on tape and there's no surprises and you understand really what the other team's trying to do? Can you control them? Can you beat them? So I don't know what to think of Colorado. And UCLA, I'm a little shaky on them. And Arizona looks like they're bad and they're going to need time. USC, even if they should, even if they underachieve, the only level they're going to drop to is very good. Now, you can argue they should be great and that she should be 11 1 or 12 0 because they're SC, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I don't think they're falling to 3 and 9. They're not falling to 4 and 8 under Clay Helton. Now, they may go 8 and 4 and be a disappointment. He may get fired for that. That could happen. Uh, but I don't think they're falling farther than that. SC's pretty good. Arizona's pretty bad. I think ASU and Utah are both good. Now, the question is can they be very good or can they be great? I think they ought to both be seven, eight win teams. Don't have a good feel for UCLA and Colorado. Not not sure what to think there. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. It's it's intriguing, certainly. Uh, time to hear from the Utes. And we'll start with the linebacker coach, uh, Colton Swan. He comes with a ton of energies in his third year up on the hill. Before that, he played at Weber State and then coached at Weber State. Was at Weber State for like a decade and a half, and you know worked with multiple head coaches. But you know, obviously, did well with Jay Hill and uh, Kyle picks him up. So here's linebacker coach Colton Swan. Morning, coach. How are you? Good, Trevor. How are you? Doing good. Um, when when you heard that Devin Lloyd was coming back for another season, what was your reaction? God, that was Christmas morning right there, wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, it was. Uh, my reaction was pretty excited. He, 
Uh, he, as everybody knows, he's a phenomenal player, phenomenal young man, and uh, what a what a blessing. Uh, very excited to have him back, the opportunity to work with him for one more year, uh, perfecting his craft. You know, uh, we're always sharpening that axe, meaning we're always preparing, meaning we're always working to get better, and uh, and he's a huge component of that. So, yeah, Christmas morning for sure. And then to follow up on that, you have two young guys who, who've already joined you in, in spring that were highly touted in Trey Reynolds and, and uh, Mason Tufaga. How have they performed in spring ball? Awesome. We uh, 10 practices in thus far and really grabbing the bull by the horns. They're doing a great job. They, uh, they come to work and work hard every day. Um, they've got a really good foundation coming into it already. Uh, a good, very good mindset. Um, the foundation of hard work has already been built. They love spending time in the in the uh, video room, wearing those projectors out. Um, great attitudes. Very tenacious kids. Very physical. Um, and yeah, love love everything about them that I'm seeing thus far. Okay, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Colton, how are you? Good, Josh. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Um, Good. When you when you look at the room right now and, and just what you have, how, how reasonable is it maybe to believe that Ethan Calvert, when he gets there, could get on the field right away? Oh, Ethan's a uh, special player. Uh, he's had a great high school career. Um, you know, he's very highly touted across the country as linebacker play in his recruiting process. Um, you know, there's the expectations are high. Uh, but in this program, in with me, nothing's nothing ever is given. It's always earned. Um, so the expectation is for him to come in and work hard, just like everybody else, and uh, and and earn that spot. If it's going to be on the field, you got to earn it. Um, you know. But my expectations are high. He's a very uh, very good uh, high school player, and uh, I've got to do a good job in coaching him and putting him in position. But. Uh, I want him to come in and, and earn it and work for it, and which I know he will. That's his mentality and who he is. And just to follow that up, when when you guys are able to get a recruit of that caliber, as you said, a great high school player, you know, the four-star, the whole thing, when you're able to get a, a kid like that, do, does that do something for the perception of Utah and for the perception of the defense at Utah? I think no doubt, no doubt. I think the country sees that, hey, the type of defense that we are, the style that we are, um, especially, you know, linebackers across the country that want to come play here. We've got a great defensive line in front of us uh, and, and playing the linebacker position that allows you to be very successful, um, have very high production and, uh, you know, being able to scrape from sideline to sideline. So, um, yeah, I think that's a huge recruiting tool uh, as well. And, and linebackers, like I said, across the country can see that and want to come play uh, for this university and this style of defense, no doubt. Next, we'll go back to Trevor Allen. Nephi really had a, I, I would say, breakout season last year. And, and, you know, what was what was some of the things that, you know, for him to be able to move from safety to linebacker and really produce the way that, that they did in those five games last year, what does that speak to what he's done? Man, he what a great kid. Uh, first off, he is, I should say, young man. He is a phenomenal individual, and he has an uncanny ability to 
get to the football. It's it's something like I've never seen. He really, really understands offense. He really, really understands defense, and he puts himself in great positions to make plays. He's very productive, as you guys know. Um, you know, he's not the biggest man in stature, but uh, he's he does pack a powerful punch, and uh, he is physical, and probably his best attribute is just how he can find ways to get to the football. Uh, he's just got a unbelievable knack for the football. There's linebacker coach Colton Swan. Now, well, here's one of his star linebackers, Nephi Sewell. Nephi, you had a really productive 2020 season, especially when, when you moved up to linebacker. What led to to being so productive in that season? Um, what led to me being productive was I got to give credit to our D linemen. You know, they take on a lot of blocks for me and Devin to come clean. And then shout out to Coach Juan for, you know, coaching me throughout the you know, COVID season last year. You know, it wasn't easy for everyone. But um, I'm glad that I got the, the move to linebacker. And I'm glad that I had such a good coach, Coach Juan. And then also um, thanks to Coach Scali for um, scheming to put us in the right places, uh, everyone in the right places throughout uh, each week. So, yeah. And then do a follow-up on that. Um, Coach Swan said that you have a great nose for, for where the football is. Does that come natural, or, or, or do you have to work at that? Um, it comes natural, but um, at the same time, it comes uh, with practicing. You know, it's our culture to be relentless to the ball. And then uh, this spring has been like a, a teaching lesson to the young people of – how to become our culture, you know, running to the ball throughout every day of practice definitely helps when it comes to game. It comes easier, it comes easier in the game because my adrenaline's running, but yeah. Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Nephi, uh, is there anything that you're working on specifically this, uh, this off season to improve your game? Uh, yeah. So the main thing that's, uh, I've been trying to improve on, with my game is uh, definitely taking on uh, blocks with linemen. I felt like uh, that is where uh, I needed to improve most in terms of when to strike on the linemen and when to not. But that's basically my biggest thing I'm trying to focus on this uh, spring. And then just to follow up, being one of the, the upperclassmen linebackers, what are your uh, initial thoughts on some of the new freshmen that have joined the program? I'm actually glad that they're, they're here, you know. Um, it's not an easy decision to leave your family and become an early enrollee, but uh, I've been impressed with a lot of the new guys. You know, they're picking up the defense uh, pretty well. Um, obviously, there's some mistakes because it's only been a couple of weeks in the spring, but we're coming to the end of it. I'm really proud of them. You know, they're working hard every day to get better, and uh, I couldn't be any more proud. All right, there's Nephi Sewell, and you hear from the Ute linebackers. And uh, we got one more week of this kind of access, and uh, the Utes holding their press conferences at 8 o'clock. So we'll have that for you next Tuesday and Thursday mornings live at 8 o'clock. And they've got the scrimmage on Saturday, and then a week from Saturday, the spring game. And then they get to shut it down and move on with their season. That'll be the end of spring ball. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get to... 
the good stuff. The Utah Jazz pummeling the Portland Trailblazers. A fantastic third quarter. Just when I thought they were susceptible to the fatigue, you know, an emotional game on the road, the overtime, the extra night, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch up with them somewhere around the middle of the third quarter. Instead, they turned the game on its ear and they dominated Portland. Won that quarter 40-19. to 19, Won the game by 19 points. So we'll hear from the Jazz, from Quinn Snyder, from Donovan Mitchell, from Rudy Gobert, and uh, also from Derek Favors. That's all next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, the Zone. Well, our long national nightmare, our long local sports nightmare, The two bad Jazz games are now over. The Jazz have won again. There will be no three-game losing streak, at least not this week for sure, right? The Jazz get the win over Portland Trailblazers, 122-103, to a fantastic third quarter. Is the key to the game. They did it without Jordan Clarkson, was out with an ankle injury. Time for the best of the postgame show, and we'll hear from the guys now. And here is Jake to take you through the best of the postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJN PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz with a big-time win over the Blazers last night, 122-103. to The Jazz outscored the Blazers in the third quarter, 40-19 to to put this game away. Uh, they were led by Donovan Mitchell, who had 37 points, 5 boards, and 4 assists. Rudy Gobert with a monster game, 18 points, 21 rebounds. Uh, Bogdanovich and Conley both with 11 apiece. George Niang had 10. Joe Ingles had 13. And six assists for Joe and five rebounds coming in off the bench. Uh, Joe Ingles' show expected later today here on DJ and PK. But let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, um, two-part question. Donovan, it's, it uh, seemed like he, he, he uh, kind of decided to take this one over early. You know, what were you seeing out of his performance and – and uh, how happy were you with the way you guys defended, especially in the second half? Well, that, that's really how we took the game over. Um, you know, Donovan obviously attacking the rim and making plays. My Literally my favorite play that Donovan made tonight, and I think a, a really significant play that he actually, I think if you ask him, was aware of and, and, and happy with is when he, he drove the gap and just made a quick little kick to Joe Ingles who banged a three. Um, so our ability to move the ball, uh, regardless of who's attacking, you know, Donovan, obviously, as you said, Tony, and, and he did tonight, you know, especially um, when he was able to get on the rim too, because it just opened a lot of things up. But our defense w- was the biggest thing and our defensive rebounding in the third quarter, I thought really broke the game open. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, Quinn, what, uh, obviously we talk about third quarters a lot. And tonight was a particularly dominant one, 40 to 19. It seemed like there was a big energy change. It seemed like the blender got working a little bit, less isolation, more passing. Was that kind of a focus during halftime? You know, that, that's a consistent focus for us. Um, 
you know, learning um, how to attack collectively when teams are, are switching, um, learning how to attack, you know, when teams are really dropping their bigs, just handling all those different situations and, you know, still staying connected offensively. And then, you know, there's, there's situations where guys have to create shots. And, you know, again, Donovan was able to do that tonight. I thought Joe did that driving to the rim, um, you know, at the end of the clock, but a lot of that stems from our defense. When you're taking the ball to the net and playing against the set defense, it's, it's harder. And I think the more that our whole group thinks about the defensive end, um, the offense will happen. And that's been consistent with our team the whole year. When we throw ourselves into the defensive end, you know, the offense, you're more connected. You know, everything becomes easier. Last question, David James, KUTV. Quinn, you were plus 17 on the backboards tonight. Is that one thing that just kind of happened over the course of the game or was that addressed specifically after the Phoenix game? Well, it's, it's just something that we've talked about all year and it's something that we've got to continue to commit to and it has to be a commitment on a high, high level. Um, you know, if we rebound the way we did tonight last night, we might have a different result. Um, we didn't shoot the ball well tonight, just like the other night, um, but we got on the glass and um, we've got to come up with them. And whatever the level of effort it is, whatever, however physical it is, you know, that's got to be something that as a team that we make you know, if not the biggest priority on the defensive end, you know, right up there with transition defense and, you know, force people to play against the half court, you know, half court defense. There's jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team wins last night, 122 to 103 over the Portland Trailblazers. Jazz still undefeated at home in 2021, 23 straight wins. Let's get you some more sound. Let's uh, hear from Donovan Mitchell. All right. First question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Threes weren't going again tonight, but it seemed like, especially in the second half, you guys had a ton of success uh, kind of moving the ball and getting to the rim. Was that kind of a, a conscious focus of yours going forward? Yeah, you know, we took a lot of things from the uh, the Phoenix game. You know, it was kind of fortunate that it happened last night because it was so fresh on the mind, you know, coming into today's game, whether it's certain situations where it's dribble handoffs or smoothing the ball side to side, getting out even more in transition. Um, I think that was really what, you know, you know, it's a difference on the offensive end tonight. And uh, we did a good job of that. But we did some of the same things we did against Phoenix, you know, some shots just happen to go in, you know, easy ones, stuff like that. But um, I think for us, just making a conscious effort of getting out and running, you know, and just kind of pushing the pace, um, I think was, was good by us. Tony Jones, The Athletic. You know, how big of, was this a big one for you guys? And, um, you know, and how, how important was it for you guys to bounce back from, from Monday and Wednesday night? Um, I think it was a it was a must win. You know, it was, it, we it was, we wanted to be the team. Like we we don't lose. First off, you don't lose two in a row, and then you don't lose three. You definitely don't lose three. You know, that's kind of the mindset. You know, so this was a must win. You know, we kind of put you know our focus on that, and you know, not letting three three go to teams that are you know playoff bound, and you know, it's definitely on the forefront of our brain. And you know, we just got to be ready for it. You know, we got this win tonight. We got. Um, sack coming in on whatever day it is. Um, but we just got to be ready at all, every game, every game. You know, we just started with this, and this is a good start. Um, but we got things we can definitely work on and improve on from the road trip that we have to, uh, 
address nothing too crazy. You know, we did a lot of good things tonight, you know, but we got to continue just to plug away. Um, if you want to be the team, the last team standing, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of things we got to continue to harp on and continue to focus on. And tonight was a good, good start after two tough losses. And um, we keep going from here. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Favors is top 10 in the Jazz all-time scoring list after tonight. Ah. Uh, yeah. He's, know that. Yeah. Uh, he passed um, the Money Man memo. So, gotcha. you know, I just want to talk about just how he's so underrated, what he does for you guys. And just can you put into perspective the impact that he has on this group? Um, you know, it says a lot that we – let him go for a year and come back. Like, you know, immediately brought him back. You know, that says a lot about a person in general, forget the basketball uh, component of it. Um, I think that that says a lot, just the fact that we wanted him to bring him back and everybody missed him. And, you know, that's, that's first and foremost, just him as a person, you know, as a player, man, he comes in, does his job. He's a pro's pro. Um, he's humble, um, hardworking, you know, if you didn't say that, he probably wouldn't have said a word about him breaking the top 10 list. Um, he just goes out there and does his job every day, you know, and he does it the right way. You know, we, we love Favo, uh, respect the hell out of Favo for what he does. You know, like you said, he's underrated in that sense. He doesn't get a lot of credit, but he brings the physicality. He brings pressure. He brings effort. He brings all these different things that, you know, kind of elevate us, you know, when he comes in the game and, you know, his presence is definitely felt out there, felt out there each time. Um, each time he's out there and, you know, this is a huge, huge honor for him and I'm happy for him. And, you know, I'm going to go throw some water on him uh, in the locker room. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't, hopefully he doesn't have his, uh, his, what's it called? His walk-in closing, but if he does and it's on him, but um, I think that that's just who he is, man. He's a great teammate, great person. And, you know, we're happy to have him here. Next up, Mark Medina, USA Today. I don't have any good to see. I, I got a random one here. I'm asking guys on different teams about their favorite fan stories. Do you have a favorite one, whether it was like an interaction or favorite in a specific game? Like a favorite favorite, favorite what? story or memory? Like our favorite fan memory. Favorite oh, memory. Um, man. Um, I guess the first one that jumps out is, you know, I had some fan going talking crazy in uh, Detroit like three years ago, two years ago. Um, that's the first one that jumps in my mind. You know, the more fans talk junk and all that, I, I think those are my favorites uh, for me than the the cheering, to be honest. I love when people, you know, say you suck or can't do this, can't do that, you know, during the game. I think it just provides a level of excitement for me. Um, but the one that is fresh on the brain, is definitely the one in Detroit. Um, was it two years ago, maybe? Uh, and I had a pretty pretty good second half because of that person. You know, I had a really, I had a terrible first half, and then he said something, um, and you know, I let him know it after you know the fourth quarter. But um, that's probably the one that stands out for me. Are you able to share what he said and what the exchange was after going? Man, I I really don't remember uh, to be honest with you. Um, to be honest with you, he might have just said something innocently, and I just took it as personal, um, to be honest. But, you know, I just remember him saying something. He could have just been cheering his team on, but he was just in my face about it as I walked to the locker room. And it's all I really needed. You know, I enjoy that stuff. And, you know, he was going throughout the fourth quarter, and it wasn't like anything personal, anything bad. But it was just like something just like fun going back and forth and, you know, along the lines of – 
like, you know, we're better than you or something like that. Or we should have, we, we didn't want to draft you, whatever the hell it was, but it was just, it was fun. Um, and shout out to that fan, whatever his name was. Next up, John Kuhn, AP. Donovan, one of the positive things that you talked about happened in this game was uh, the rebounding. Um, you guys had a plus 17 advantage on the, on the boards tonight. Um, third quarter especially, you were able to, to attack the glass and really get rebounds. Uh, was that more of a focus tonight after kind of struggling on the glass against Phoenix? Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think it was – I mean, it's unfortunate that we lost, but you learn things in a loss. And I think with that, having played yesterday, that was on the forefront of our brains. It was so fresh in our head, and we made a conscious effort to go out there and, and do that. You know, I think that was – you know, it's it's not so much grabbing the rebound. It's the work you do before it. You know, it's not so much as going up there and, and grabbing it. It's the, the hits. And if you watch the game back, you know, guys running from one spot – to the next to hit somebody to get to prevent them from getting on the glass, you know, whether it's Cantor, it's Nurkic, it's Powell, it's Jones, just trying to find ways to knock them off their course. Cause after a while, after you get hit, you stop going, you know, and then you stop trying to go for rebounds. And <clears throat> that was really the focus for us, you know, and with it happening so fresh last night, uh, it was right there, in the, right there in the front of our brains and we did a good job of it. But now we've got to continue to do it throughout the entire game. We got to do it when, Things aren't going well. We got to do it when things are going great, you know, and I think that's the challenge for us coming forward. There's Donovan Mitchell, 37 points on 14 of 25 shooting at four assists and five rebounds. You heard him talk about Derek Favors moving into 10th on the all-time jazz leading scorer list. Let's now hear from Derek Favors. All right, we'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Fabe. So, uh, quite simply, what was the difference in the rebounding between last night and tonight? Um, I think the whole team kind of put an emphasis on, you know, helping the bigs on the rebound when we go in, me and Rudy going contested shots. Now I think they made an emphasis on coming in, um, coming in the paint, just help, helping us get rebounds, you know, and I think that was the big difference tonight versus, you know, last night against Phoenix where we gave up, I don't know how many offensive rebounds, but you no, know, tonight, um, that was a big emphasis for us. Appreciate it. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Okay, Fave, I got I got two for you. First of all, congrats on entering the top ten in the Jazz All Time Scoring. Donovan said you're not going to really talk about yourself much because you're such a humble guy. But what is it about this Jazz team that allows you to thrive in your role? Um, I think in the past, um, you know, I got to give half of it to Joe Ingles. <laughs> You know, he uh, he assists me on a lot of my on, on a lot of my scoring. But um, you know, overall with this team, you know, just the ball movement, you know, everybody get a chance to make plays and be able to score, um, be able to take their shots. And um, you know, overall it's been a it's been a blessing for me to be on be with one team, one organization, and um to reach an accomplishment like that, you know, that's a blessing for me. When your teammate says that you have hands like Julio Jones. What do you think about that? <laughs> I try to tell them, man. I tell all the guards, whether it's Joe, Mike, Donovan, JC, I tell them, man, you throw it anywhere near me, I'm going to catch it because I don't want to give them that turnover. So even if I don't score the ball, you know, I'm going to try to catch I'm going to try to, you know, keep it in play. And if um if I can't catch it, nobody in the NBA can catch that, catch that pass. So, you know, I joke with the guys a lot, tell them that I got the best hands in the NBA. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Hey, I'm just kind of thinking about your years with this team. And, and, you know, it's funny, you had the chance to play against Ennis tonight and you'd spend those years kind of playing with him. But, I mean, kind of looking back on that part of your career, I mean, your role is different than it is now. Um, I, how do you kind of kind of put it all in perspective uh, getting into that top 10 and, and what it means? Um, I think throughout the years, I've been able to adjust pretty well. Um you know, whether they needed me to begin of my career, they needed me to come in and, you know, be a defender and rebounder. Then when Quinn got here, you know, my role kind of changed into being like, you know, a pick and roll scorer in the low post. And, um, you know, with the NBA changing now, I'm back to being like a defender, rebounder, screen setter. So I think for the most part, I've done a good job of just adjusting my game and um, just being a positive on the court. And um, like I said before, it's a, it's a blessing, you know, to be with one – organization and to be, you know, top 10 in scoring. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's something I didn't, I didn't even think about, you know, coming into the NBA or even this year or whatever. I, I didn't think about it, but when it was brought to my attention, you know, I took that moment and kind of took it in like, like, damn, like, <laughs> like, man, I'm top 10 in scoring with one organization. So that's a big accomplishment for me. Can you think of a particular point in the thousands of points that you've gotten that were your favorite or the most memorable? Um, throughout my career here? Um, it's, it's a lot of them. There's so many of them. It's, it's a lot. Um, I think probably one of my favorite moments was um, the playoffs a couple of years ago against OKC. Um, that, I mean, that whole series, you know, that was a, I think that was a big, big point in my career. You know, especially um, game six when I hit that shot to kind of um, win the game four. So I think that was probably the biggest, biggest moment in my career. Last question, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. And Derek, along those lines, what, do you feel ownership of the team because you are the longest tenured player here? Yeah, I think I got everybody's respect pretty much. I wouldn't say like ownership of the team, but I think I have um, – a lot of guys respect on the team, just the way that I carry myself, the way I come to work and how I, how I work during practice, during all season, how I um, play during the games, how I never complain about much. I just accept the role and, and play it to the best of my abilities. And I'm always encouraging other guys and, you know, just talking to other guys, whether it's Rudy or, or Donovan or whoever, JC, Joe. I think um, I got a lot of those guys respect and uh, they respect my voice in the locker room. And, um, you know, I think I think it works out for everybody. Do you see guys like Udonis Haslam that, that have done that, made a long career of that? Do you see yourself doing that, kind of playing for a long time? We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. We'll see. Um, if it's with one organization, if it's with Utah, you know, there'll be a blessing. If it's with another team, you know, you, you just never know the future. You know, um, right now I'm just trying to help this team win, um, continue to be that presence in the locker room and on the court for everybody. And um, just playing my part. There's Derek Favors moved into 10th in the all time uh, jazz leading scorer list. He had seven points, five rebounds, and had a block shot as well. Let's wrap things up with Rudy Gobert. All right, David James, KUTV. Rudy, you're the guy who's most likely to come out and talk defense with us. And I'm curious what you thought of being uh, uh, so dominant on the backboards as a team in this game and also that 19 point third quarter that you allowed Portland, held them to? I really love the way we, I wouldn't say came out, because I think they scored 30 points in the first quarter. 
but uh, it's almost like we got better throughout the game. You know, our communication got better, our aggressiveness got better, and the most important thing we we didn't give them uh, any offensive rebound or maybe a few, but for the most part of the game, you know, everyone was you know very active and uh, and the guards did a great job helping us, you know, on a on a defensive board. John Kuhn, AP. Rudy, how, how much of the success on, on the boards was driven by, I, I guess, a lack of success on rebounding against Phoenix? I mean, did, did that kind of drive you guys to make that more of a focus coming in against Portland? We do. You know, I mean, uh, every night I think we – we kind of put emphasis on it. You know, we know how important it is, but as much as we know, you know, sometimes we know that we have to do just a little extra effort. And uh, whether it's hitting somebody or just going to get the ball or the loose ball, we know that uh, when we really, you know, put the effort uh, and, and also the communication behind it, um, it's a different, you know, different mindset. And I think if we rebound the way we rebounded tonight, we, we win the game against Phoenix. Even showing the way we shot, you know, so it's, uh, it says a lot about the way we play in defense and, uh, you know, it's really uh, something that, uh, you know, is very important for us to know and going forward, you know, we, we want to keep rebounding every single night. Next up, Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Rudy, 23 straight wins on this floor. First of all, that's incredible. What is it about playing here? I mean, I think just, first of all, just the fans, uh, you know, uh, we one of the few, I would say, lucky teams that were able to have fans, uh, you know, uh, the earliest this year. And, uh, you know, even if it's not uh, full, you know, full crowd, uh, just feeling a little presence, you know, uh, uh, some good energy behind us. I really think, you know, it, it helps. And, uh, and obviously, you know, just being at home, uh, you know, being a, uh, being able to have access to a facility and, and all that and, and just being at home is a is a big advantage for us. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Two plays I wanted to ask you about, Rudy. First, did you block the Dame three kind of at the end of the game? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, second, there was that play where you rebounded over Naz Little and then got the put back. And it seems like you've had a lot of success against kind of smaller lineups recently. And I'm just kind of curious how you view your role when you are playing against kind of a, a smaller lineup in terms of rebounding and putbacks. And, and that. We got to punish them. We got to punish them. You know, teams are. Uh... In the past, you know, they, they play small against us and, you know, we got to punish them. We got to put the emphasis on, you know, uh, pounding the ball inside when teams play small and attacking the rim and teams should not be able to play small against us. Um, I think we do a great job guarding against small, but uh, especially when we have the ball, we got to punish them and you know I think we did except the first two minutes they did it I think we did a great job tonight there's Rudy Gobert 18 points 21 rebounds he had a block shot and two assists Rudy with uh, of course uh, his normal Rudy monster game the Jazz win 122 to 103 over the Portland Trailblazers up next the Jazz take on the Sacramento Kings on Saturday night uh, Tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 6. All right, there is the best of the post-game show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines tonight in the NBA. The Jazz get some help in the playoff race. We will get to that. A couple of the 
the big, what, well, I guess three of the top six teams in the West lost last night. So there's, there's that. And uh, also the first round of the Masters in the books, the second one ready to get going, second round ready to get going. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.